Hey, Tom. Thanks for coming on Rebellious. I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> Great to be here. I've, I've actually been looking forward to, to ever since we hooked up on the phone. So, oh, I'm so excited. So you are the world's most frequent flyer. You have the most miles of anyone in the world. By the way, do you have a Guinness World Record by any chance? Interesting you bring that up. They said it takes 12 weeks, and I submitted it 11 weeks ago. Oh. So, um, but we had some real, it took months just to even make the application because if I showed you the text, or the message, or email that they sent me back, they said, well, this record's already taken, it's been verified, and so there's no need to apply for this record. And I'm going. Oh, really? And ironically, I know the guy that has the record. We used to be friends. So interesting. So now you have to submit. I'm assuming they make you submit evidence. Well, no, no. That's the beginning part. And uh-huh. and gosh, Guinness. So many people found out that Guinness was giving me a a big hassle about this. So many people put on on their threads, of, "Oh, I'll never drink that beer again." The Guinness people <laughs> don't. At one time, did own the book. Yeah. But they sold this company, believe it or not, to a car dealer from Canada, a guy that owns a bunch of car dealerships. So this guy's being a typical car guy by jacking me around on this record. Wait, I had no idea that the beer company was related. Oh, ba- back in the day. Yeah, oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, that's why the first record has, uh, uh, probably the first record book was most most beers in a day, most beers in a night. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but um it, it it all it's all got down to money. They said if you're applying for a record that already exists, it's like five dollars. Oh, if it's okay. a new record, it's eight hundred. Oh. And and if you want to if you want it done in four weeks, it's like sixteen hundred. And I'm not in a hurry. I've waited all these years to get number one. I I'm I'm not gonna spend eight hundred bucks to speed up the process or something like that. But at twelve weeks I still haven't heard from them. So Next time we talk uh, before Christmas, hopefully it's all done. And then comes the documentation. First mm-hmm. of all, they have to accept your your uh, application. Then comes all the documentation. But that's not a problem. I've got um, I've got all the documents. Mm-hmm. United has every single flight. So from, they're willing to help every with single flight. So yeah, they got all the details on every flight since I started with Mileage Plus, which is eighty three. I got about a half a million miles before that. That might not make the record book because I don't have any of those receipts. Neither did oh. I ever think about it back in the 70s. Of course, know? of course. Yeah. So what's the current record holder? How many miles? Well, the record is, it's like, uh, well, it's in kilometers, I think so. Oh. But it's about 13 million is the record. But that was done in 2003 or something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been yeah. there for a long time. I know the, like I said, know the guy personally. He's flown another three or four million after that. He's up to around seventeen million, but he's he's the number one guy right now. But I'm six million ahead of him. Yeah, and I, I was gonna I, say you've shot. I have us. all the I have all the documentation and everything, so uh, I'm not worried about it. We were really good friends actually when the movie Up in the Air came out. Media outlets from all over the world were reaching me out reaching out and saying, hey, uh, you're the up and air guy. You're the real up and air guy. And so I was anointed as the number one flyer in the world back mm-hmm. then. And I, I had no idea what number I was or wasn't. And uh, But I was having a good time on this journey. And, and right. then all of a sudden I get an 
email from a guy in um, in England that says, excuse me, I'm the world record holder. I'm in the Guinness Book. And, you know, no offense, but he was very cordial, very nice, invited mm-hmm. me to England. We went out to a nice pub and had a, we became good friends. We traveled to Ukraine together. We, we, oh, went, wow. we, we became good friends. We we're on the last time we were together, we we're on the Today Show and he was number one, I was number two. And I had no aspirations to be the world's number one flyer. I had a pretty successful company, so right. kept me busy. He was making a livelihood of being the number one flyer and doing talks and right. getting paid to be the number one flyer. So when it got out in Facebook a couple, maybe a year ago, hey, I'm writing this book. Anybody have any ideas? I'm at 23 million. And he came on Facebook and said, oh, he, he never has 23 million. Maybe he's earned those, but he hasn't flown those. And then he says, I know for a fact he applied to Guinness, and it, and that's a complete lie, which I never did. He says, and he was turned down. That's when the line in the sand came up. And I said, I'm going to apply. I'm going to get the record and push you out of the books. Goodbye. Right? Oh, my God. Yep. Interesting. So you guys are no longer friends oh, due okay. to that. Well, just I still, like... I still have respect for him. Yeah. But mm-hmm. not a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. right. I gotcha. All right. So let's go through some of your milestones here. So you have flown over 24 million miles on over 12,000 flights. Mm -hmm. You've been, so if we convert that, you've been around the earth 963 times. Got to hit that thousand mark. That's right. You could have gone to the moon 50 times round trip. You've actually almost flown the distance to Venus from Earth. That's 38 million miles away. So I'm getting close, getting right, close. Right. I'm halfway there. Right? You're halfway there. Yeah. Oh, you're more than halfway there. Oh, I'm there. on my way back. You're almost there. You visited over 100 countries, and I think the UN only recognizes like 151 actual countries. You've been to Australia, you corrected me earlier, 400 times. Yep. In 2019, you took 373 flights. There's only 365 days in a calendar year. That's insane. And then with your points, you were able to get over 50,000 in Walmart gift cards, one of the many perks that you get from having all these miles. I use most of it at Sam's, (laughs) though. There you go. Because you get a rebate on it. I gotcha, yes. (laughs) And then you also bidded some points, and you were on a Seinfeld episode. That's actually one of the first auctions that United Mm -hmm. had. I was a Seinfeld freak, still I am. I, yeah. I love it, right? Who Although love Seinfeld? one of the worst last episodes ever. But uh, <laughs> so it, it said, hey, you could be on Seinfeld show, blah, blah, blah. And I, I said, I don't care how many miles I have to give every one of them away. And so I bid, I think it was 471,000 miles to get on that show. Now, if you see the episode and you blink, you might miss me. I, I'm on there for like six or seven seconds or something. I'm right. I'm in the diner behind uh, Janine Garofalo. It was a season-ending show. Us, everybody will know it's the one where George's girlfriend dies from licking envelopes. Right, right. right. So <laughs> that one everybody episode. remembers. They just don't remember who was sitting in the diner that, that show, <laughs> right? It was me. But anyway, so I got that, and there was a lot of complications with it. You know, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be three nights in the park high, and— there was a mess up when we got to the Hyatt at the at the rent a car supposed to be a Jaguar for three or four days and and they didn't have a Jaguar they had to go across town it had to wait three and a half hours to get the Jaguar so there was a lot of nickel dime stuff so on Monday when we got back I still had a great time great time right right, right. and uh, but when they came back the ad agency called them and said how was the uh, how did you enjoy everything? And I, I pulled a George on him. I go, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's it's, it's me, not you, you know. And, uh, and at the end of the day, they said, we feel so bad. We want to give you 250,000 miles back. Oh. So that turned out to be a, a really nice, happy ending, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, awesome. And I, I had so much fun with that. And uh, 
I'm kind of a practical joker. I, I ran into Jason Alexander face-to-face uh, -face for the first time in my life. I've flown with him a couple times afterwards. Greatest guy. I, I, I really admired him as an actor, but I admire more as a parent. On, on flights back and forth, uh, twice I flew back and forth to Hawaii when mm -hmm. he was sitting like a seat behind me. Oh, amazing. And, and the first time I met him, he spends the whole trip with his son. His son probably was about eight, nine years old, mm -hmm. and he interacted the whole trip Aww. with his son, where so many times I see parents put the headphones on their kids and have right. them with an iPad or something like that and ignore their own children. Mm -hmm. But, uh, God, what a classy dad he was, let alone uh, whatchamacallit. So, Did you already film at this point the first time you saw him, or was oh, it after filming? Oh, no, no, we had not. The first time, the first time I met him, uh, we went through the practices, and then we all had dinner at this commissary or whatever they where we all eat before they right. filmed the final episode. And uh, so they were all sitting together. I didn't sit at the table with them or next to them, but not, I mean, close, but not next to them and on the same table. But so uh, my wife and I left the commissary a little earlier than they did. And I'm out in the hallway, and all of a sudden, Jason was the first person to come out. And I said, Jason, can I bother you for a photo? And he's like, total George. Oh, sure, sure, with the hand waving, you know. And so uh, when he said he was okay with the photo, I gave him my camera. I put my arm around my wife. I handed him the camera. I said, do you know how to work that thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> you <laughs> and, had to have taken the photo. And, and he's like, what? I said, no, I know what you look like. I just <laughs> want to capture the moment of my wife and I. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine that he's probably a cool guy. He's a great guy. A yeah. super, super guy. Yeah. Yeah. So also you've been on 120 honeymoons with your wife? Oh, give or take a half a dozen. But yeah. uh, the reason why I use the phrase honeymoon, my first honeymoon with wife number one, we could go through that a little later, but uh, mm. my first honeymoon was not 10% of any one of those 100 trips because, first of all, I didn't have a pot to piss in back then. I didn't right. have the money to, I mean, so I went down to visit my brother in Southern California. We drove a car over the border and hitting Tijuana was like the highlight of the honeymoon. Oh my right? God. But the, the, um, the honeymoons is, it's like if you just got married and you, you picked a week or two weeks to just have the trip of your lifetime, mm -hmm. those I've had a hundred of them. Maybe that's why I'm still with number three. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. I, I think I told you last week I was at, uh, I was on a flight with some flight attendants. I, I knew a lot of them, you know, and uh, I knew like half the flight attendants on these international flights. But I was in the galley and just shooting the, the breeze with them. And I, mm -hmm. I said, hey, next year I'm celebrating 50 years of marriage. And they're going, wow, they're all so happy. And, mm -hmm. you know, congratulations. That's fantastic. I said, I'm trying to throw the biggest party I've ever thrown in my life, but I'm having problems. And they go, what's the problem? I go, my first two wives don't want to come. Right? <laughs> I didn't say 50 years consistently. Yeah, yeah. It's just like when a guy goes, you know, I, I decided to give up drinking. And then my wife says, oh, I'm so proud of you. I said, well, I didn't say all in a row. but." Uh, <laughs> so the real question on everybody's mind, yeah. have you joined the Mile High Club? Uh, maybe a three-quarter mile trip. <laughs> uh, just, okay. Uh, you know, they, Love that. they asked me on the Today Show, Tamra Hall, one of her last shows yeah. before she got her own, she, and, and she was embarrassed when she asked it, but the producer put her up to it and says, mm -hmm. well, so Tom, you've been in the Mile High Club. And I, I said, well, I don't fly and tell, you know, but uh, so maybe a three quarter, but uh, no, I, first of all, I'm too big to fit in those bathrooms. They are small, right? Uh, but some people get caught in the Back of the plane, you know, yeah. back in the day, it's a lot of people complain about how crowded the planes are. 
back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe even part of the 2000s, the planes were half full. And uh, so maybe it was a little whatever. A little easier? Yeah. Could you imagine like Shaq in one of those bathrooms? That man is huge. There's no way he gets in. I have have no idea. He flies private. There's no way. I mean, not, and there's no, I, I, those bathrooms are so small, man. It's hard enough to fit me in one of them, let alone, and I, I, I don't even. It's very flexible. I mean, just, just a visual here, just in my mind, is really <laughs> disgusting. So. so you bought this pass yeah. from United in 1990. Yeah. So how did you hear about it, and why did you decide to go through with it? Okay. 1990, my business was on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good. I was actually doing a, a, a show that I. It was a show for, let's see, there was a K band. I don't know my technical things about broadcasting, but it was a cable show that was broadcast to car dealers in North America. I think there was like 3,500 subscribers or something like that. But uh, so I went down there and I taped the shows because I was like the face of the network to mm-hmm. launch it because I was somewhat of a thing back then when mm-hmm. it first started off in the late 80s. So I was filming all these shows. I would go down there and my producer would say, uh, with all the flying you do, and I, I was only flying about 150 to 180,000 a year then, but do the math on 24 million. But uh, yeah. so he says, you should buy this pass. I go, what pass? He goes, American Airlines is offering a pass where you can fly any any flight in the world on American Airlines for 250,000 at that point. And I'm going, wow, that's interesting. I was making some really good money. I'm always a risk taker. So I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting. I said, let me, let me think about that. Let me start working the numbers, kind of a rain man when it comes to the numbers. Right. And it was really making sense. So now I live in Chicago. The flight was down in, my, my show was in Dallas, which is America's hub. I'm up in Chicago, which is United's hub. So I'm checking into United Flight. I said, I think you're going to lose me as a customer. And they go, why? I go, well, American has this pass, blah, blah, blah. They go, we have a pass. I go, why don't you tell anybody? Why is that a secret? Mm-hmm. So they sent a salesperson out to my office, blah, blah, blah. I said, uh, I said, okay, well, you, you said yours is 290 American's only 250 I called back. I find out American raised their prices up to 290 mm-hmm. All the airlines totally, totally, totally always. They price fix. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so I said, okay, let me think about this. And he goes, well, do you want the single pass or the, or the companion pass? Or what do you mean companion pass? That means for 290 is for the single pass, uh, 480 is for a companion pass. So for another 190, save 100,000, anybody, you can fly anybody with you, anybody, as long as they're on the same aircraft, same flight itinerary as you. So in other words, if, if I went to L.A., but you wanted to go on to Hawaii, you have to pay the L.A. to Hawaii part yourself, right? Got it. So companion pass. Now, at that time, I didn't do any leisure travel because my kids were growing up. I'd be at home in the summer to play with them and mm-hmm. Little League, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I was strictly business is what I wanted. I was going back and forth to Australia at that time a lot. So I thought just the flights back and forth to Australia was worth it, you know? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going, okay, tell you what, give me the 90-day pass, but give me 90-day option on the companion pass. I go, fair mm-hmm. enough. So guarantee me the 480 price tag if I buy it within 90 days. Well, I drag my feet too much. I was trying to milk it, milk it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, six months go by. I milked it too much. Call up. I said, okay, where do I send the extra 190000 I go, Tom, a uh, little hesitation. The guy's voice made me very nervous. He says, it's been six months. I go, yeah, yeah I know, but yeah, I've been really busy and blah, blah, blah. He goes, I can't do it for that because the price has gone up. Well, how much has the price gone up? It's gone up uh, 
let's see, 480, it was 650. So $170,000 more than the old companion pass, mm. making it twice as more than twice what I paid for the original. So right. anyway, I go, wow. I said, man, work with me here. Work with me. He says, it's out of my hands. I said, mm. well, whose hands is it in now? He goes, the vice president, blah, blah, blah. And I won't mention his name on the air because uh, I ended up meeting him up at, a, at the United Sweep watching a football game. They gave me some tickets to come to the football game and, mm -hmm. and work it out with him at halftime. So after half a dozen Bacardi and Diets, you know, my go-to, right, I, I got it to 510. Okay. So uh, I had to pay a $30,000 penalty, basically. But uh, at the same time, it was a gift, you know, to be able to get it at a negotiated price. Right. So uh, 510000 was the total price. And I had the money. Although I could write a check for everything, I did go to the bank to float float the money. Mm. It was somebody else's money, all right? So I go to my banker. I said, I need half a million bucks. And they go, for what? <laughs> I go, uh, you're probably not going to believe this, but it's for an airline ticket, right? And they go, where the hell are you going, right? <laughs> I go into the moon. I said, well, if they do open up a flight, I will be the first one on there. But no, uh, it worked out really good. I was able to write it off in three years on my taxes, mm -hmm. just financially. Just from business, because I didn't right. use it. I didn't even, the last thing in my mind, because at that time, I was still afraid of flying, right? Mm. So I didn't think about setting a world record. I didn't think about flying a million miles a year, which I've done six different times, you know? So I didn't think about going crazy, because my kids are still small, but it just was, I, I just, it was the right time, the right place. Now, I had so many naysayers. Right. What? You know, what happens if they go out of business, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's the risk you take. I said, what happens yeah. if I go out of business? So, yeah. And they did go out of business. So you bought this flight pass. You have this fear of flying. Yeah. I, I had it since I was. Did something happen to you or just the feeling of being out of control or. That's kind of weird. My first flight was in a Piper Cub, little one of those things yep. where, where my dad uh, signed up for taking two boys on a ride that flies over your house in the neighborhood and all stuff. Gotcha. It's kind of like a 45-minute flight, maybe. I don't know. It's, I was a kid. I was, I was too young to be afraid. Yeah. So yeah. I had no fear when I was a kid. But once you get older and you see, you know, crash films, and right. it, it just, I just got really nervous. And, and just like many people that suffer from, from getting crazy with the turbulence, you yeah. know, when the turbulence hit, man, I was just always freaking out. Yeah. Today, when turbulence comes, I, I feel like it's a Disney ride. I said, put another quarter in. Let's do it again. You know, just, <laughs> okay, so that's a little on the strange side. But I don't have a fear of flying right now. I got to. But what if you hit, like, that clear air turbulence, like where the. Uh, I've done it. I've the Lufthansa, where it uh -huh. drops like that? Yeah, I had that. But, <gasps> but most of my bad, for some reason, most of my bad situations were years ago, mm -hmm. right? I had one on the way to Dallas where it dropped, I don't know how many feet. And it seems to be over Texas a lot. Yeah. And my my, st my stomach was right, right on top of my head. It was just like, holy Moses. I had a flight coming out of Chicago on a DC-10 on the way to Portland where the, the flight just tilted like this really mm -hmm. quick, you know? I mean, I'm like, I'm literally moving out of my seat almost because... Yeah. The, and the pilot comes out and he goes, sorry, folks, got a little too close to another plane. That's... Not what I wanted to hear, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Which is how did the how did that phrase? Who came up with the phrase near miss? Uh, yeah, what is it? If you almost miss something, that yeah. means you hit it, right? Right. So, well, we had a near miss. No, it was a near hit, right? Yeah, <laughs> but 
I call it's it. So true. But even the language in in in, in the mm-hmm. airline industry, you know, like you know, deplane and uh, all these weird things. But uh, when when did it finally? When did you kind of snap into place? Be like, okay, I don't need to be afraid of this anymore. I. I, I well, I don't, I'm not afraid of flying. Oh gosh, after I don't know a couple thousand flights, maybe. But to, um, <laughs> like, when actually, did you finally feel like I know it's moving, but I'm okay? Well, when I was uh, when I was dealing with my fear of flying, mm-hmm. I would uh, prepare to fly. Yes, which meant I had a couple cocktails or a couple more. Right? Yes, very prepared. And so eventually, I go and I can't just keep preparing. I'm flying a lot right now and. Yeah. And I'm going to end up in AA if I keep preparing like this, you know. And they say it's not good to drink up in the air. No, it's actually terrible. And yeah. I know I have firsthand experience of that. But mm-hmm. the, because it's a it's a double whammy because even without drinking, your body dehydrates. Right. I think it's like four ounces an hour or something like that. It's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And then you literally exponentially move that needle when you're drinking on the plane, too. So right. um, doesn't mean I stopped. But um, it just... I, I, I think I became more educated about flying. Yes. And I think people that are afraid need to educate themselves. We we talked about this mm-hmm. a little earlier that no plane is crashed because of turbulence. Never. Correct. Now, people have got hurt. And, and maybe I don't know. I don't research it. Maybe someone's even died from the injuries. Mm-hmm. But that's only two people get hurt on turbulence. One is the unexpected turbulence that that catches a flight attendant in the aisle without being restrained in, mm. in, a, in a safe position. So they get hurt more than anybody else. The only other people that could get hurt during turbulence are the stupid people that don't keep their seatbelt on. Yeah. And when I say stupid, I do mean stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Now, every once in a while, I'm just as stupid as the guy I'm accusing of because I might have my seatbelt off. But if you're really worried about turbulence, if you're worried about getting hurt, keep your seatbelt on mm-hmm. because... You, nobody has ever got hurt with a seatbelt on during turbulence. Right. So that's the safest thing to do. Do you find that turbulence is worse now than when you first started flying, or do you find it the same? Because some people claim it's worse now, but I don't know if uh, I agree I, no, with I, that. I got to call BS on that because okay. today's technology and radar systems, now there is clear air turbulence. There is turbulence that comes out of nowhere yes. that the best pilots and the best radar cannot detect, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a possibility. Right. But uh, because of, um, because if there's storms, they used to just get the plane in the air and circle and circle. They don't do any of that stuff anymore. Right. So they keep you on the ground uh, longer to make sure that they have a fairly clear path as best as they can. And today's technology, radar systems, et cetera, et cetera, and communication, I, I, I'm 100% certain it's less. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm basing this on 12,000 flights, so right. uh, yeah, a little bit of tech, little bit of research. But I, I think I probably don't notice it as much because I don't have the fear as much. When I was afraid, mm-hmm. it seemed like it happened all the time, you know. But uh, right, the you're it, on it, edge it, about it. Yeah. If 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 a person, first of all, I, I have to put my faith in the pilot, right? Mm-hmm. It's he wants to get there too, right? And right. and they do so much inspection of the of, of the of the planes. They they do their homework on the weather like you've never mm-hmm. seen before. Yes. They pay attention during the flights. I mean, so it, it still can happen. There's, it can't avoid it. And planes today, they could they could take such an unbelievable pounding that people just yeah. don't know. They think, oh, I'm gonna, I've been on planes where I thought I was going to die, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just the planes are going to shake for a while. But uh, 
Yeah, nope. if you see those simulations of what they do to the Boeing wings yes. or any it, of the it, Airbuses, it's insane. It, they are trying to break that wing. Yes, yes. So, uh, but it doesn't. And that doesn't happen no, really in no. nature ever. And you won't go through a storm like that. No. I've had, I've had, it's very two, rare. Two really bad flights with Chicago to somewhere in Arkansas where I was leaving a blizzard and going into a tornado, basically. Mm -hmm. And then there was one in Italy on a 747 from, from Rome to, to Milan that I really thought that was going to be it, too. But it was just a lot of bumps. and, and, and Have you ever um, experienced the oxygen mask coming down? Never. Really? Never. I've That's never, amazing. I, I've never had an emergency landing. I've had someone ask me if I wanted to make an emergency landing because I was flying with one of my one of my trainers, and he's kind of a drama queen. And all of a sudden, I was holding my chest. Every once in a while, I have a I get a muscle contraction around my heart. I've had it, God, I don't know how many times, a dozen times or something. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like a heart attack, but I know it's not, right? Mm -hmm. It's a muscle contraction around the heart. And so I'm going, ooh, I like this. And all of a sudden, my buddy's freaking out. He goes to the flight attendant. He goes, this was on the way from uh, Australia back to L.A., and he goes, he goes, my boss is having a heart attack. My boss is having a heart attack. And everybody's freaking out. Now, there's, let's see, there's two, four, six, eight, 16, 18 seats in a 747 first class, right? Mm -hmm. What are the odds that eight of those people were heart surgeons on the way to New York? Oh, my God. So the flight attendants are going around, hey, we have a guy that's having a heart attack. And it's almost like, okay, we get to play the game. And like, like there's eight of them jumping up to just... They smothered me. One, mm -hmm. you know, one's taking my blood pressure. Another one's putting a popsicle stick under my tongue. Another one's dropping a nitro tablet. Mm -hmm. I, I swear to God, I was going to have a heart attack with all yeah. the all the pressure to put on me. They asked me, I said, do you want us to land in Hawaii? I said, no, that would give me a heart attack, right? So, Do you know if you've ever been on a plane where there was that federal marshal? The oh, God, yes. Yes, because, and here's the thing. And you, like, knew it was them? Well, of course it is. I'm the first guy on the plane. That's so crazy. if I'm the first guy on the plane and there's two young studs physically fit, yeah. sitting, you know, right there in front of me. I'm going, okay, uh, the, these guys aren't flight attendants taking an early flight home. No, no, yeah. they were federal marshals. But I'd say, I'd say oh, you guys are uh, marshals? And they go, no, no. Uh, we, of course. We, we're with the Chicago Bears. Uh, the stuff they used to come up with, including <laughs> uh, we're with the Chicago Bears. I'm going, oh, really? What position do you play? Right? I'm a Bears fan. Don't right. BS me, right? <laughs> uh, so I know they're marshals and stuff like that, which was very, it was comforting for me to know sure. where the marshals were sitting if I needed them, right? But uh, Oh, I love flights to San Diego because it's all military. Oh, My yeah. entire flight's military. I'm yeah. like, all right, if anything's going down, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they put as many marshals on like they used to. Okay. I mean, when nine one one hit, everything went so bonkers. So were you bonkers. flying that day? I was on my way to New York. <gasps> All the phone systems were down because everybody's on their phone. So what flight? What flight were you on? I was way? on. I was on United Airlines mm -hmm. uh, from Chicago to Newark. Obviously not United ninety three. No, no, yeah. no. And, uh, Chicago to New York. Okay. Yeah. So you were coming because they were all coming from either they Ohio. Out of Newark. Out of Newark. Oh, Newark, out right. of Boston, right? Mm -hmm. so, oh, sorry. They were heading towards Ohio, right? And that's when they did their little change around. Yep. Yeah. What a terrible, terrible, terrible day. Yeah. I lost half my employees because they're all consultants that travel around the country. And their wife says, you're not traveling anymore. Everybody yeah. went a little over the top. And, and, sure. And for good reason. And for Scared. good reason, right? And uh, rent-a-cars, good luck finding a rent-a-car. No, 
There was no flight, so every rental car in the country was booked. Mm -hmm. People were driving 16 hours to go home because nobody knew when they were going to open the skies. And that was like four days later. The first day mm -hmm. they opened the skies up, I was flying because I figured, what's that? It's going to happen again. Yeah, that's that a good quick, point. right? And uh, now here's an interesting thing a lot of people don't know. So there was no, before TSA, the government hired a knee jerk TSA put together, mm -hmm. quasi-TSA, whatever it was. It was just a security, someone for security until TSA was put together. So some independent agency did a sweep around the country of all these people that were the security of our country, mm -hmm. right? 40% were illegal immigrants. Oh, my gosh. 40% of the people that are here mm -hmm. to protect America weren't even Americans, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get in that, don't want to get political, but... Yeah. It was a cluster where it is an interesting statistic. I mean, like, how did that happen? Yeah, just if you only knew how many how many weapons go through, but yet try to try to get some toothpaste through there. Yeah. Yeah. Or or back in the day, I had a nail clipper that was like three inches. No, mm -hmm. maybe an inch and a half. Mm -hmm. A little, a little bitty. Uh, and they go, sir, sorry, sir. Yeah, uh, that's considered a weapon. I said, what, what do you think? I'm going to go into the cockpit and says, you know, turn this plane around. And I'm going to start doing your nails. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it just, okay. You know, yeah. I don't even, there's some really good people in TSA. Well, but. I remember when I was younger, especially like growing up here in Palm Beach, little PBI, which I love that airport because it's the best. It's small. It's easy. Get through it. My parents would walk me to the gate. No problem. Oh, before 911? Yeah. Oh, before 911. And I would fly on my own uh, as young as like 10 to a camp in Asheville, North Carolina. I w they would always send us to summer camp. And that was no problem. And then, of course, after 9-11, all bets were off. No well, one could go. Do you know how much crazy stuff was going on before 911? Like uh, a guy would send his kid to college and then say, here, I'm going to put the ticket under my name because they never checked IDs ever. Right. Right. So guys, not me, my kids were still six years old. Mm -hmm. But I mean, when the kid was going to college or on vacation or something like this, they put the ticket in their name so the kid had status and could go to the clubs oh, wow. or, or get upgrades easier and stuff like this. And that way, the guy got more miles, more points, whatever, on his account. Mm -hmm. That was very common back then, right? Well, that was the problem with that D.B. Cooper case. Yes. He just wrote a fake name. Yeah. Yep. And then he gets on that flight from, I think it was Portland, right? Or Seattle to Portland, whatever it was. Well, fortunately, there was very, very, very few incidents where it made a difference. Right, know? right. But uh, that, for me, it, it's it's never, never really been about, or looking back, mm -hmm. that the greatest part of my travel has nothing to do with all these great, amazing places, the right. Great Wall of China, the pyramids in Egypt, the Colosseum in Rome, the Eiffel Tower, the just, I mean, I've just, I've been to everywhere in the world and all these amazing, amazing places. But the things I remember most, the things that are like 98% of the happiness of my travel, it's the people I've met along the way, whether it's, Absolutely. whether it's a passenger I'll never, ever see again whether it's a flight attendant that just was so, so nice, whether it was, uh, whether it was somebody I met in an airport or someone at, a, at a, some restaurant in some city on some island or some country or whatever, it just, that's the love and memories that really, really was worth every single penny I paid for. It wasn't the miles, although, yeah, the $50,000 in Sam's Club didn't hurt me. <laughs> but um, 
or are the vacations, the cruises. Uh, I mean, I've, I've earned more than a hundred million miles, and you've got to spend them on something. So I have, and yeah. uh, so I just. I couldn't agree more with you. I actually, I did that direct flight. It was a Delta flight from JFK to Cairo. It was like 14 hours. And when we got there, they lost my bag. I had no bag in Egypt. And so I'm there. Did you eventually get it? Eventually. Okay. It came two days later on the next flight. You're supposed to, just to keep it clear, (laughs) you said I had a bag that was delayed several days. Mm-hmm. So don't say lost because I've correct. Yeah, I could say I've never lost a bag in United. I've had it delayed a couple of times, but I've never lost it. Right? True. I've, n- I've never had me me as well. I've never had it lost, but uh, it was delayed a few days. It did not make it on the plane for whatever reason. So it came back. I think they had the flight every two days going to Cairo. So I got it two days later. But because of that, yes, I did all the amazing sights in Cairo yeah. and all that. But you know what was the thing that stuck out to me? My friend picked us up from the airport, He br- and it was a Friday, which is for uh, Muslims, basically, their holy day. It's like our yep. Sunday. Yep. And I'm over there, and he knocks on this lady's door. She lives above her own store. She woke up, opened her little store for us, gave me dresses, gave me underwear, gave me a toothbrush. Oh, that was so nice. I literally had nothing. Oh, my God. And uh, so you're so right. Just that experience sticks out far more than going to the pyramids. Now, here's something, not, you're just making a light bulb go on my head again, but because we had this discussion at, uh, where was it? Where was that? I, uh, just a, yesterday or the day before. Oh, it was at the United Club. Yeah, we were talking. Somebody talked about they'd lost their luggage, but United covered it and everything. The more you could produce receipts and stuff really helps, right? Mm-hmm. To avoid fraud, which well, I don't even get in the word fraud these days, but the average flyer doesn't know that. Let's suppose you had. worth of stuff that was never found again, right? Mm -hmm. So you're making a claim to United, but let's say United only covers $1,500 for some reason, but you swear to God that you had Mm $2,500. Did you know your homeowner's policy covers the difference? Uh, I think I've heard things like that, but that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people. Not that I'm, uh, hey, when you lose your luggage, well, again, Mm -hmm. I've never lost luggage and I'm 12,000 flights. So yeah. my wife lost it. I mean, it. that's amazing. Yeah, but to have it, make sure it's, it is covered by uh, homeowners. Yeah. yeah. So. so when you got this pass and you really started using it, did United ever try to revoke it or renegotiate terms with you? No. Okay, that's... I, I, I got to say, that's one of the hundred reasons why I love my, I say my airline, because it's second family to me. Mm-hmm. But I get treated, every flight I'm on, I get treated like gold from the employees. Always. I love always. that. Even though a lot of them didn't even know who I was when I got on the plane. Mm-hmm. I just I just believe in karma. I think, you know, if you treat people really good with respect, you get it back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I might have to clarify something that was in the Washington Post that went viral around the world on this newspaper article about, they say it's number one tip is a lie to flight attendants. So I'll get in that in a second. But uh, <laughs> whether I'm on the phone to a, a agent that knows I'm not spending any money with the United unless I'm buying my kid a ticket or some friend. And I get, I get treated unbelievably well, even though my big check was back in 1990, right? Yeah. And you would think that, I mean, some people that didn't know what the flight attendant would say, you know, knowing how much I fly, but not knowing he had a pass would say, thank you. Thank you for your business because of you. 
you know, I still have a job and part of me is going, eh, because of me, I might be losing one, right? But uh, I just, I get treated so well. And now there, there hasn't been a um, target on my back. First of all, if you don't break the rules, you're in good shape. And because there's people that have broken the rules and they get thrown out of the program, whether yeah. it's United or American, mm-hmm. there's documented cases of that. I consider myself an ambassador for United. I would agree with you. I would say you are amazing PR for United. I try to be. I try to be because they they just treat me. You know what? People say, well, I had this terrible flight attendant or I had a terrible gate agent or something. I said, I said, come on, let's just do the math here. Mm-hmm. United has about 100,000 employees, maybe mm-hmm. a little less, but about 100,000 employees. If 1% of them, 1% of them come to work on the wrong side of bed, right? Mm-hmm. That's just, I'm not going to label anybody mean people. Right. I've had a mean day, you know, to someone because I woke up on the wrong side of bed, you might say. But, you know, if one, your company, if you had 200 people in your company and two people came to work as jerks for the day, uh, that's not an unrealistic number, is it? So No, no, no. So we're all going to run into a grumpy uh, flight attendant. Uh, you know what? 12,000 flights, I swear to God, I could count the bad people, or not the bad people, because mm-hmm. they can be great people. They're just getting a bad day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? I could count the instances that I was disappointed or upset with a, an employee mm-hmm. five times out of 12,000 flights. I, I really can't. Now, maybe my bar is different than other buddy else's because right. I don't cause people generally to get to get short with me. Mm-hmm. I treat everybody good. Okay, which brings me back to the story that was taken out of proportion about about the Washington Post said, oh, here's his top tip, lie to flight attendants so you get good free stuff or something. First of all, never, ever said it. I've said something very similar to that years and years ago, right? Years and years ago, and I got caught called out on this by some radio DJ one time when he did an interview. But I, I, I honestly did say that years ago when I flew in coach starting my business, I didn't have the money, didn't have the pass yet. And so I'd find out who was going to be in my section and I'd try to give a nice compliment. Yeah. Yeah. But what if you never met the person? And that's the whole compliment. I'd, I'd say to a flight attendant, I said, you look very familiar. I think I've flown with you before. And if it was you, I want to apologize for not taking the time to say thanks for some of the greatest service I've ever had. Oh, right? that's good. Okay. So so this this radio guy said, oh, so you basically, you, you lie to people. I said, I don't know if you call a lie. No, it's a lie. I said, well, wait a minute. And I know the guy, Jay Thomas is actually his name. Henry Sorry, Jay. Jay. Right? Good actor, by the way. But he said, he said, so you lie. I said, Jay, you married? I said, so if your wife comes in and says, do I look fat in these jeans? What are you going to say? Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, this tactic is like you're clearly a salesman. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which for me, you're just finding a way to, you know, soften your experience and make your experience. And, and it helps them in return. It really does. Because that one compliment to them could I'm change so, their I'm day around. To make her feel better about herself. Yeah, absolutely. Or him if it was a male. Yeah. I tend to just mm-hmm. happen to be a female. Yep. But um, I'm trying to make them feel better about themselves. I'm, sure. I'm trying to get them to... It, to install some some pride in what they're doing. And and if they're having a tough day, I want them to turn it around and say, you know what, I am a good flight attendant. Right. So, and technically, if you break down the whole thing I said, I said, I might have flown with you. And if I did, I want to apologize because it was the best service I've had in a long time. So, okay, it's it's twisting some words and stuff like that. But it has no intent to really hurt anybody or actually have an advantage. Because 
There's nothing free in coaching it anyway, right? right. I'm just, I just want to say, maybe I get the full can of Diet Coke when they come yeah. back, you know? You don't even get peanuts anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> the peanuts are gone. Just, but like I told you, I'm a Delta cookie girl. Those uh, those cookies are so fucking good. I don't know why. They I used to have them. they used to have uh, Mrs. Fields cookies. Oh, really? Uh, they used to have, do you know that United used to have Happy Meals? Happy Meals. Oh, I, used to, order, I used to order them. I said, you just give me the Happy Meal. You can keep the toy. I just want the fries and the burger. How do you feel about the food these days? Oh, is that what they're serving? <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, okay. I'm going to defend. I'm going to I'm going to say yeah. bad. I'm going to say good. Yeah. Okay. So as everybody knows, I fly United. And they probably don't have the best food. But I got to tell you, they are working on it. They, United in the last three or four months has done a tremendous job bringing better food into the mix. At the same time, we're never going to have that uh, that cart going down the aisle where they slice the beef for you, and and they're not going to serve Dom Perignon like they used to, and there's not going to be caviar first class like they used to. Those days are gone, right? Of yeah, course, but it's different. That could have been some of the five thousand five billion dollars they lost, right? And we'll get into that a little later. But yeah. uh, the here's the dilemma: if I'm United, and mm-hmm. I got to defend United on this, right? I don't know how many years ago they opened up the Polaris Lounge. Best business class lounges anywhere in the United States. Buy none, bar none. And actually, the best food they have, to me, is that gorgeous, delicious hamburger. But they have a lot of really good food. Because if you're a business class traveler, right? Now, Coach, they used to have better food in Coach in the 80s, going from Chicago to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they do have in business class on a lot of international flights. Those days are gone, right? Mm-hmm. So what they did was... And it, it, you know what? If you're flying for the food, you're flying for the wrong reason anyway. But they have to feed right. you. If you're going to be in a flight for five, six, seven hours, you got to get a meal. You got to feed, eat them, eat sure. them something. So here's here's United's dilemma. And I fly to Australia a lot. And the flight leaves at 11 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. which is 2 o'clock in the morning New York time. So I'm coming from New York to San Francisco or L.A. to get to Australia. By the time I'm on the plane, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. By the time they'd serve you food, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you're bitching about food. I, haven't you had dinner by 3 o'clock in the morning yeah. somewhere, right? Really? Mm-hmm. So, But they just do it to keep you busy and make the time go by faster. So you're flying across. You're going to go on an international flight, whether you, you drove to the airport and you're going to the player's lounge. But they serve you really good wines, really good champagnes, really decent food. And then, so what, you want another one of those meals an hour and a half from now when you get on that business class flight? The airline knows that if you're flying business class, the lounge is there for you. Yeah. Get yourself something really good. Get yourself some because we don't want to pack a lot of really good meals that have mm-hmm. go to waste because I'm not hungry. I just ate in the player's lounge. I'm not hungry because it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I mm-hmm. and I did eat at dinner time. So, I don't know. If you're the airline, you can't be stupid about the expenditure of the food. Right. And they're, tr- they're trying to do the best they can. And they'd make me perfectly happy if they bring back the lobster mac and cheese. And then I'd be a really happy used guy. Really, to have this. Happy guy. On the way to Australia, it was the highlight of my trip. There's the lobster mac and cheese. Oh, my God, that was good. So I love the croissants on Air France. When you're flying to Paris on Air, I know you do United. In France, 
Why wouldn't you have a good croissant? Right? No, but they actually do get them from France, and they are the ones that are on the plane, yeah. which are awesome. Oh, I'm sure they melt your mouth. It was so good. And then, okay, I'll, I'll match that your croissant okay. with the United's grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, I've never tried that. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they, they, they used to be better, but <laughs> grilled cheese sandwich still good grilled cheese sandwich. So, sorry. So what else does United do for you? Like, walk me through. When you book a ticket, what do you do? You just type in your pass number, and that's no, okay, it? Okay, okay. Now, that's interesting. Yes. And I bet I bet the people at United, other people upstairs in the, yeah. in the offices, the management, would wish I would take the time to just do it online because it is an easy process. Anybody, whether you're a Pass Plus guy or whether you're just Joe first-time flyer, you can book all your flights online. You, it's, yeah. it's a pretty simple process. You put your credit card, bingo, bango, just push the buttons, right? Right. I'm not a fan of that, right? That's just, that's just me, and it's because over the years— I built such a relationship with hundreds of agents over the phone. And, okay. and, and I could tell you, I could give you name after name after name after name of, of, flight of, I mean, of, of agents that are just the best human beings you'll ever meet in your life. So you love calling them. I love calling them. I love, it's actually the highlight of some of my days. And you're going, Tom, you got to get a life. No, my life is the people I know and the friendships I built with do my you, United family. You do know? you have a private line? or? Uh, no, no, here's the funny thing. When I did my TV show back, gosh, God, it was about a dozen years ago. We we're all out to dinner one night, and I, I bet somebody, I said, you know what? If And this is before they had caller ID, because they have mm -hmm. caller ID. I think some of them tell who you are. Back then, there was no call ID. I said, I bet I could call the 800 number, which has hundreds of reps on it, mm -hmm. hundreds. And just by the sound of my voice in the first sentence, without introducing myself, they can know who I am. And they go, and everybody puts 100 in the table. I said, I said, guys, I'm telling you, they, they're going to know who I am. It's, it's probably about 19 out of 20 chance that they're going to know. That's crazy. So I put the phone on speakerphone. I dial the number, and I kind of pick up the phone so I could get it. Everybody at the table could hear the conversation on both sides. And I said, how are you doing today? And he goes, fine, thank you. It was a guy, right? And I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm doing fine, thank you. I said, do you know who this is? He goes, no, sir, but if you gave, if you give me your name, I'd know, right? And everybody at the table is going, boss, dead. And I'm, I'm going, oh, well, this, this is Tom Stuker. He goes, oh, Mr. Stuker, did you find your iPad that you left on that flight to L.A. yesterday? <laughs> he and, did know yeah, you. <laughs> and, 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 he just you know, didn't put it together real quick. I said, so you, you still do the one eight hundred United, like you call that number. Well, there there is a uh, there's a global service number, but there's like fifteen thousand global service people, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not like one eight hundred Tom Stuker, right? Yeah. Well, they should do that. And, and there's um, I sometimes I feel that that number is. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't give it away to anybody because I want to make sure the line's free for me to get out there. Right. right. But I just I love my United family. I like I said. There's nothing that makes me happier. Again, I don't want you to think the bar's too low in my life, but no. I, I, let's say I don't want to say nothing gets me happier. Let's just say you can't believe how happy I am when I get on a flight and I recognize the flight crew. That 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 makes my day because I know this is going to be a perfect flight no matter what happens. Yeah. Know?
it seems like you really consider them your family. Oh, my God, yes, yes. And, you know, from everything I've seen and researched about you, it seems like they consider you their family as well. So they invite you to inaugural flights. They allow you to create a new menu. Like, do you get to meet the CEO or anything like that? Well, at one time, I haven't really spent a lot of time with Mr. Kirby as I did with Oscar. But uh, mm-hmm. I and yeah, true, I meet multiple C- CEOs, right? Oh, yeah, over over the period of time. But my my favorite, and again, uh, I think Scott Kirby's doing a, a really, really good job with the airline, with all the pressures put on to have, supposed to have the best food, the best this, the best that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we take one thing at a time, and the things they've done with with the, the, the planes, the millions they're spending, I know we're going to talk about uh, mm-hmm. the, the carbon footprint and everything, right. but he, he's done a great job with the airlines. They're making money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it looks like the employees are... Real happy because all these new contracts coming through, so which it's really, really good. Oscar was, um, I consider Oscar just a, I've had, had a lot more interaction with Oscar. Mm-hmm. And I, I've told employees that uh, I think nobody drinks more Kool-Aid than me and Oscar, you know. <laughs> and because uh, uh, I just love my United Airlines. I love the, all the people there. And uh, Oscar was, I'll tell you a real quick Oscar story. Now, yeah, this no. is a guy that runs the airline, right? What, what was his full name? Uh, Oscar Munoz. Okay. Right? Uh, so Oscar and I used to joke. I said my my airline has a first name. It's O S C A R. All right. But anyway, <laughs> it was Christmas morning. It was about the year after the first year I think that the Chicago Players Lounge was open. My wife and I were going from Newark, stopping in Chicago to catch a flight to Hong Kong and eventually go to Thailand. Right. So not too many people there at ten o'clock in the morning on Christmas morning. Oscar brings his family in sits his family down at the table right next to us and then walks off to talk to some employees like he probably has to. His kids were all excited. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm probably going skiing, right? And I said, so where are you guys going, skiing or something like that? He goes, and they're all happy. He says, no, we're just here to spend the day to help feed the employees that have to work on Christmas. Oh, my God, that's really great. And I'm thinking, so you can know a lot about the CEO, about how he CEOs his family, right? That that told me so much about who Oscar was that day. And I said, man, I take a bullet for that guy because, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's leading the airline. Mm-hmm. And when you're running company, I did, there's a lot of people don't think, they think the customer comes first. Believe it or not, in order for the customers to come first, you got to put your employees first. Absolutely. If your employees aren't really happy and don't take pride in their job and satisfaction and happiness, then somehow they'll take it out against the employees. I mean, they're the customers somehow. So I just, like I said, this is not anything against Scott. I think Scott's doing a great, great job. I just haven't had a chance to personally meet him. But I'm I'm, I'm sure he's just a really great guy, Are you and Oscar still friends to this day? Well, we don't. We're not on speed dials, right? Okay. Uh, And he's a very, very busy guy. That's right. I I just happen to run into him every once in a while. That's cool. He knows I'm a big fan, and I'm I'm sure he does. Mm -hmm. And he was always, always so generous with his time. To listen to me, blah blah blah, yep. to him. So there's thousands of Oscars working at United Airlines. I yep. mean, it just and that's why I just really, really love the people that work there. It Have just, they ever offered you a job? Well, when they see me start opening those Bacardis, they're thinking, nah, <laughs> I don't know if you, you know, no, uh, not sure if he's employable, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, just no. I'm a, you know what? If 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 they would hire seventy year old flight attendants, maybe I'd oh, actually. <laughs> They still work there, but uh, but they probably don't want to see a career started at, at seven years old. And, <laughs> and a, lot, a lot of people said, why don't you get your own plane? I said, 
there's, there's just no open bar up in the front, you know? No, um, I've actually dealt with private aviation before uh, with some other businesses, and private aviation is extremely costly. Yes, it is. It, it, it's insanely costly. People do not even understand. Like, there is no getting ahead of the asset. The asset continues to depreciate to the very end. Like, there's no way to get ahead of it. So it's... I, I would say no. <laughs> I, I agree. You should never. I've had private planes yeah. from time to time. I feel safer in a larger aircraft. Oh, I mean, statistically, yeah, yeah, commercial yeah, aircraft. Yeah, are I more feel safe. So, so much safer with them. It just, like I said, and all my friends are up there. My my, my uh, mm-hmm. United family's up there, and I I probably spend more than enough time in the, in the in the galleys talking to the uh, flight attendants and everything because I just I just really love these people and and. and and anybody that's, I don't know if I told you the story about uh, how many times I'm, I'm at the uh, uh, at the airport and someone goes crazy, I'll never fly United again. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and it, a weather delay. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that when, uh, when lightning goes off in a certain parameter around the airport, it shuts down. This isn't a United rule. This is an FAA rule. The airline has to shut down. The airport has to shut down for 50. 15 minutes. So if it strikes and 15 minute clock starts immediately, if 14 minutes into the 15, another lightning bolt strikes, the clock starts over again at 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are going, oh, I'll never fly United again. I said, I said, no, come on, listen to what you're saying. I think that goes back to the, they're not educated about the FAA rules, avionics in general. That's a huge problem here in Florida. Like you fly out of Fort Lauderdale. We're lightning all summer long. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. so I said, your problem isn't with United, it's with God. <laughs> right. He's the one that's making this weather up. I'm not, yeah. I mean, not that maybe he's having a bad day just like you, right? Yeah. And he goes, oh, watch this, you know, yeah. But you know what? I don't say, I'll never fly again. What are you going to tell me? You're never going to go to church again because yeah. God made it rain today, you know? I said, yeah. I said, come on. I said, first of all, do you want to fly in this weather? Do you want to jump on that plane when when the pilot himself knows how dangerous it is right. to fly in this weather? It's ridiculous. And just like when I see people who's are delayed and, and there sometimes sometimes there's reasons mm-hmm. why people do get legitimately ticked off and that so there's a mechanical delay that just goes on yeah. and on and on. And it, it, it bothers me too. But at the same time, when you got a multi-million dollar piece of equipment where a broken piece could cause you to lose your life yeah you, you, you want it fixed even if it causes you a delay or a cancellation so yeah no i i totally agree i i don't i think people minimize how safe all these different uh procedures how safe it actually makes the plane and they they just don't understand what goes into it to make this the safest mode of pr- transportation yes yes and you have to cross yeah. the t's dot the i's several times before several times so when when a person's at the gate agent and starts yelling at the gate agent, I, sometimes I'll literally walk over not knowing either one of them and divide them up and go, time out, return to your corners, guys. Right? This is not how it works. And I'll look at the customer, and even if he might punch me in the face, it doesn't bother me. The gate agents, whether it's a gate agent in an airplane, a, a, a server at a restaurant, a person that's you know helping you try and close in a, in a department store, the, the people that are there to help you, Yelling and screaming at him is not going to get you anywhere. But if you right. talk nice and say, I say, oh, hi, Cynthia, because her name tags on her, on her uniform. Mm-hmm. Hi, Cynthia. I hope you're having a better day than I am. Like the people behind me, 
I'm trying to get to Cleveland. I hope you could help me. And now you got a now you got a gay agent that really wants to work hard right. because of how much you respect that person. Yeah. You know, it just it's the same way with your kids. It's the same way with your friends. I mean, I tell my wife, I said, hey, honey, I'll do anything in the world you want. Yeah. It's not what you say, it's how you say it sometimes. Absolutely. That's, that's all it is. So when you go into an airport, you're not standing in those regular lines. Like, do you get to go to a secret lounge? Like, how do you get on that plane first? I'm global service. Okay. To get global service on United, you either spend, it's not a written thing, but about 50000 or more. Mm-hmm. Or you you could get lifetime global if you've flown what they call 4 million button seat. Button seat's just a term saying it's not how many miles you've earned by flying. It's, it's how many miles you've flown from point A to point B, you know? Right. So if you fly a lifetime four million, you're, you're lifetime global, and man, that is there's a lot of people. There's a guy right now, and I'm going to do a shout out to my buddy Carl Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Carl Brothers owns a couple of salons and whatever. A really nice guy. He runs his business from the air, and um, he's flying for a million a year for four years for the one reason to get global service, and that's how big global service is. That's how. I'm so what's it. that? What's that entail? Okay, so. When you check in, there's yeah. not every airport, but the the the, um, the hubs, mm-hmm. Chicago, L.A., Wichita, most of, a lot of the bigger airports have a global service check-in. Okay. So no matter how busy it is, I go there. Mm-hmm. I probably take a little longer time, so I BS with the agents. Right. right. And then they, they walk me over to the pre-check line, yeah. and I get to cut at the very beginning of the pre-cut, I mean, pre-cut, pre-check <laughs> line. Yeah. So I get some looks from, oh, well, I'm pre-checked too. Well, okay, I'm sorry, but, you know, global <laughs> but service. global. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you don't, yeah, <laughs> whatever. They kind of know that. And uh, so you you get that. Um, mm-hmm. You just get so much peace of mind. Like, yeah. I could be on a flight from Sydney to San Francisco, and halfway through the flight, I might get an alert that because of this and this and this, that flight's been canceled. But the people at Global Service have everything taken care of. By the time I get to L.A., there's a global service agent waiting at the door when I get off and say, Mr. Stigger, I we got you rebooked on the 930, blah, 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 blah. And they got everything taken care of. So I never have to go, oh, I wish I'd get on the phone. I wish I could communicate. Wish I could do. Oh, oh I, I never worry about anything. So like they cut, are they like picking you up in like that golf cart? Yeah, no, 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 no. They picked me up in a Jaguar. It used to be a Mercedes, but they oh. do it in a Jaguar. Now, they don't do that every time. But here's a case in point. Okay. If your flight's coming in late and you have a really tight connection, yeah. they'll meet you right outside the door mm-hmm. when, when the door opens up and they'll walk you down to the tarmac and there's a car waiting for you that'll drive you straight to your gate, at, which is oh, 10 wow. times faster than the golf cart, right? Yeah, yeah. They bring you right on the tarmac to where the where the crew goes up the, that stair and everything and you're right at the plane. And that is, that saved me. Uh, several times over the years, right? Yeah. Uh, there used to be a Mercedes. Now it's a Jaguar. They're both very nice cars. But the golf carts, too. I mean, yeah. they'll, do, they'll do golf carts that just, you know, they, they really pay attention to. Now, this, I don't want this to be taken out of context. United cares about every single passer, whether you've flown 12,000 flights or this is your first flight. Has there been episodes when you fly Millions of people a year. Does a guy's guitar get run over once? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does a does a does a kid pick the wrong flight? Or I mean, is there screw ups? Yes. Yeah. In every business, there is. So 
You know, it's just the media always has a hunger to jump on anything negative mm-hmm. and never talks about, hey, last year, United flew this many million people and nobody got hurt, right? You know, I mean, let's talk about all the positive things, you know? Yeah. So, well, I think that's the unfortunate route of the media they yeah. they pick up. I think in general, there is an unfortunate let's hate on the airlines. Yes. And and I do think a lot of it comes from, like we were saying before, they don't understand procedures. They don't understand avionics. And I'm not saying a normal person should, but I think, like you said, if they would just take the time to understand the procedure of why they do the things they do, I feel like their travel be a lot smoother. And like, we cannot predict the weather. I mean, at least, you know, we can, but like it, it's still out of our control. Well, here's, you know, uh, the United, United's been really, really, really nice to me. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm an ambassador, I'm not their public relations department. I don't yeah. want to try to be. But I could say this, that over the years, some negative press that came United's way was so, so uncalled for because I, I know all the facts in these cases because I just happen to know these things because mm-hmm. I know all the people that are involved in all that stuff. And I'm not going to even talk about the, the exact stories. I'm just going to say there's a lot of stuff. They say, well, why doesn't United fight the, the situation? Because they have class, because they just want to, like, zip it up and move on and not bring too much attention to it, whether they're right or not. And, and I'll tell you several times, they've been 100% in the right, and the media had it completely wrong. But United didn't want to look like sour grapes or, or just they didn't want to beleaguer negative publicity. Right. So they just moved on. But I want to tell you, if you knew all the facts like I did, that just makes me prouder of United because how much class they deal with situations where they're unfairly depicted in the press. Yeah, know? sure. I think that's the truth of most things. Yes, it is. Yeah. You know? uh, whether it's whether it's an actress, an actress that was filmed on this three minute, I mean, this 10 second soundbite and all of a sudden they're judged in their character all by that part of something. Oh, they could take this podcast alone. I could see so many instances where they could take a tiny little clip. Oh Oh, yeah. And I got plenty of haters out there. So uh, this this probably brings another 10 or 20 to the table. Who knows? (laughs) Okay. So speaking of your haters, probably one of the biggest things, I didn't see much negative press about you when we did our research. Believe it or not, everyone thought you were amazing, which you are. But the only negative press was about you're flying too much. Okay. And Uh, that, you know, it's hurting the environment. Your carbon footprint. Okay. Well, gosh. And how do you feel when someone says that? First of all, I do sales training. So this is a sales technique. I want to train the people that are in Uh sales now. Whenever you get an objection, whenever you get a hater, whenever you get a situation like that, Instead of getting defensive, the first thing you should say is, I'm glad you asked that. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Right? So embrace an objection. Don't run from it. Okay. So knowing that, this is how I deal with that, right? When someone says, your carbon footprint, you know, well, I have a hard time with the person who did say on one of these articles because I read comments and I don't take them too personally. Mm-hmm. I can't. But when they say, I hope you and your family all die from your carbon footprint, that's a little bit on the strong side, especially this guy's yeah, probably texting me from his from his uh, heated pool in his backyard. Right? Right. So 
people that throw those things at me don't even know who I am mm -hmm. to make any kind of judgment like that. They don't know how much I walk in, instead of taking a car, how much I ride a bike instead of taking a car, how much I take public transportation instead of taking a car or limo or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They don't know about my recycling at home. They don't know about the fact that I take colder showers and stuff. They don't know who I am and how important environment is to me just as it is to them. So let's get back to the flying. If I flew half as much, if I flew 90% less, the carbon footprint on that plane will not change at all. Right. Even if all the passengers stop flying, cargo has to get from point A to point B. Yeah, all your well, Amazon packages. What's that? All your Amazon packages. And, and, and on a more serious note, if I told you how many times I've been on a, a, a flight where there, there were human organs that had to get to some place to save someone's life. That's not on every flight. Medical supplies that have to get to some place to help save lives. Machinery parts that have to get to places to keep those machines going, whether it's in the farming industry or whatever. The, 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 our world can't move yeah, and absolutely. can't survive without without things being shipped from point A to point B. So those planes are always going to go even if they don't have anybody on them. Do I have a responsibility? I have a social responsibility when I turn on a faucet, for God's sake, and everybody should be conscious of things like that. But from flying, the answer isn't going to be with the passengers. I'm not trying to slide this off. This is an issue that has to be dealt with. And importantly, and thank God, the people that have the only chance to make a difference, which is the people that manufacture planes. Yeah, definitely. Those. That's the answer to this carbon footprint is 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 and, and and United is leading the way on that too, along with other airlines. Lufthansa is building an electric uh, electric plane. Yeah, not too sure I'll be on the inaugural of that one, but uh, um, but <laughs> a but, few flights uh, before that. <laughs> but, but but look, like Lufthansa electric planes, yeah. United with their biofuels using using biofuels in different in different ways to get energy they're lowering their carbon footprint mm -hmm. by the way they make the planes make them lighter make them the they're just more fuel efficient so mm -hmm. the airlines and united is literally spending millions of dollars mm -hmm. to try to keep our air as clean as possible and so that i mean the people that run united they have kids they have grandkids and they would like to see their kids breathe good air too so so I mean, it just I can't. I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way, Mr. Treehugger, whatever. I, yeah. I can't do much about it, but I can do everything I can to support the airline that is doing a lot about it. And, and yeah. it's the only, the airlines are the only people that can do it. So, and I feel really confident whether the government forces them through laws or legislation mm -hmm. or fines. But uh, my understanding is they're doing it just out of social conscience. And I'm proud of them for doing that. So, yeah, absolutely. I think also people don't realize the time it takes to let these new technologies take place like it actually has to get to a bubble that seems like it's going to burst for the new technology to kick in and start working you know to work for the masses i don't think people really understand that you don't buy a kit from hobby lobby and then all of a sudden two weeks later we got better air yeah know? exactly exactly so i totally agree and a lot of these people you know that are texting from their phone do they understand the batteries where these come from 
I mean, in the cobalt mines yeah, in yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. basically slave labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm, I'm all about social consciousness. Right. I really am. But also, how many are how many pass holders like you are even out there? To my knowledge, there were six people that bought my pass, right? Statistically. Six. And one of them passed away the first year. Okay. So that kind of helped even out the investment. Mm-hmm. I you know, that yeah. helped fund that. But uh, I think there's 30 or 40 that bought the lifetime for a single user. I mean, okay, mathematically, there's 350 million people in the United States. 30 people don't matter. Oh, and then on top of that. Very low to the yes, bottom line. Am I the one that has a carbon footprint, if that's what they call it? Yeah. That's larger than anybody else's? I opened up a newspaper in, in Australia, and I didn't even know they had an article. They had a big picture of me in a cockpit wearing a, a pilot's hat and a pilot's jacket. The pilot's hat was given, thrown on me by a pilot who was just being nice. I had a pilot's jacket that United gave me when I hit $20 million, But it looked like I was flying a plane, and it had me with a quote. They, they put me in quotes of things I never said. Oh, my footprint is bigger than Yeti's. And I didn't even know who Yeti was, right? And, and so I... I'm going, what? I never said anything like that. I mean, some of the bad things that are in some of these articles are things I've never said. Yeah. So. No, they, they do deliberately lie and twist words, and it They're is going, ridiculous. Well, we can always put a retraction on page 84, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so speaking of that, what do you think the evolution of the airline industry is going to be like? Do you see these supersonic jets coming back, like the Concorde? Do you see Hyperloops coming in? Like, what do you think is the future? I think the Concorde's kind of, Go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Supersonic's going to come. Yep. And I personally, I personally probably would not be a fan of it. Like, like right now, to go to London from Chicago, you leave like 6 o'clock at night, and you get there at 6 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And mm-hmm. even though it's a pretty quick six or seven hours, like six, six and a half hours, depending on which direction you're going, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's a quick flight. But I can't see myself flying like three hours instead of six hours, and and all of a sudden, I don't get any sleep at all, mm-hmm. right? I mean, by the time you're up in the air, they're going to give you a meal, and you're not going to have dinner and then have breakfast 45 minutes later, so it's a... Right. So you're going to be up there. They're going to feed you and all that kind of stuff. There's going to be disruption in the aisle, and next thing you know, you're landing. And mm-hmm. I'm going, so there's no sleep, and I'm thinking... uh well, if it's three hours, you think they'll probably change how they fly there? Like well, they'll, they'll, they'll fly in the morning. You'll get yeah, there in the morning. afternoon. Yeah, morning. Yep. So, so you'll have time to recoup and maybe make a late. I don't know uh, as mm-hmm. far as will you get there in time to make a. You can't land any earlier than 6 in the morning because of the restraints in the area. Right. So if you get to some place to try to make an e- a, a afternoon meeting or something like that, you're still kind of dragging a little bit, but... Uh, and then the additional cost to save three hours, I I don't know. I'll still be a fan of it. I look forward to flying on one. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, if they brought the Concorde back, I wouldn't fly on it. Have you ever have you ever sat in a Concorde? No, but I've seen it when you land in France. They used to have it out there. Yeah. The replica. Okay. In New York City, I forget the area that's across the river from where I live, but in New York City, they have an aircraft carrier, I think it's the Intrepid, mm-hmm. and then they have a Concorde right next to it. It's kind of a show pieces, right? And when that Today Show had me and, and another guy on there, they filmed us at the Concorde. Now, the guy who used to be my buddy, who's mm-hmm. going to be number, t- is number two now instead of number one, 
he does have the record for being on the Concord more than anybody else. 733 trips on a Concord, right? And he said, oh, wait till you see this Concord. You know, United Express, the, the 50 seaters with no first class, the, the you, can, you can't even stand up in that much, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the Concord feels, but with a first class seat. But the first class seat, it doesn't recline. You don't lay down. It's not comfortable. You can't stand. It's a little bitty tube that just flies really damn fast. Mm. So I, I just don't see. I, I wasn't a fan of that seating at all. So if the, if the subsonic's going to be that tight, that uncomfortable, mm. when I could lay in a bed on a 67 or a 777 or a Dreamliner, right. I'll take the bed all day long. Oh, when you get a lay flat, it's hard to come back from that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said people, people say, oh, 24 man, how do you do it? How do you do it? I said, okay, let me just set the record straight. I do most of it international. I do most of it in a bed. Yeah. So I'm laying down, I got a fluffy pillow, I'm drinking champagne, watching a funny movie. I'm not calling, I'm not inviting anybody to a pity party. Right? right, right. So is there any destination you will not go because United won't fly there? Oh, I'll go to places that United doesn't fly to. I, okay. do, I do now. Um, okay. Some places that United doesn't, but, but thank God for the Star Alliance because I don't know, what do they have like? 30 or 40 different airlines. So does your pass work with them? No, it doesn't. It doesn't oh, okay. work on anything unless there's unless it's the United United Metal. So, Got it. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with that. Because you could use miles to, mm -hmm. to to get a business class or an economy ticket on a um Star Alliance partner. And uh So you think if they bring back the supersonics, do you think these unlimited pass would be worth it to reintroduce into the market or you don't think uh, so? Let's just say if they brought it back, it'd be a hell of a lot more than five hundred and ten thousand dollars. Well, yeah. So like you bought it in nineteen ninety, that's like a little over a million dollars today. Probably more one point yeah. three ish. Well, but I mean uh, the inflation. And, and, and no, and, and that's if you had your money in a passport account at a savings right, bank. Right. right. I mean, no, I'm not going to do the math. Well, if it was in Yahoo, if it was in Apple, <laughs> you would get $180 million. I yeah. mean, no, no, but let's use a conservative uh, estimate of, of uh, a 5 6 7 8% return on your money, right. which is a, a conservative for people that know how to manage their money. Mm -hmm. it, it would be some, it, would, it could be like easily $4 million or something like mm -hmm. that right now. Yeah. You know, so it, you should turn your money every, it's supposed to be like seven eight years or something like that. But right. So anyway, it, it'd be a hell of a lot more than 510. But if, if they had the pass, I would think they would have an annual pass or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't think the word lifetime, as people are living to be 100, right? And yeah, if I live to point. 100, I'm still rocking it up in the air. That's so. true. That That's a great point. As we live longer, they would, they would definitely hurt them financially. Yeah. Yeah. So do mm -hmm. you know how to fly? Did you ever get your pilot's license? No, the closest thing I have to flying is a half a dozen Bacardi. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I I never really had because I was afraid to fly, let alone mm -hmm. be in a single engine uh, aircraft or something. I don't mm -hmm. know if I trust myself. I just I'm a guy that can't put air in the tires. I'm just I, you know I, I, I you know I'm, I'm glad my socks match when I you know when I go to bed. So I'm a thinking. Okay, guy. do you feel if there was something crazy that happened in the plane and you have to land it, do you think you could get through it and understand and like listen to the towers and work as, through it? As long as I got these headphones and someone intelligent like you <laughs> telling me what button to push and what handle to do it, because I would do it in two seconds if I had to, because think of the options. Oh yeah. yeah. No, of course. It's like, it's like, okay, I want to live. Right. So, uh, 
I had a good friend of mine that was in that situation. Mm-hmm. Him and his family were flying in Australia, and it made the front page of the papers out there. And and the pilot had a heart attack. Oh my god! And and it was either we're all going down, or one of us has to land this thing. And he did. He got in the pilot seat. He he put the headphones on, and they walked him through it. And he saved his family's life. You know. Oh my god! It was. I just know the guy personally. It was really really good. So. So I also read that you have witnessed countless heart attacks and even four people that have died up in yeah. the air. So what, was anyone next to you when they died or like how Pretty close? close. Pretty close. Okay. And that was the saddest one of all, right? There was a, actually on the four flights that someone died, one of them was not United. So it's not just United that happens. Of course. And when you're on 12,000 flights with three, four, five, six hour flights, it just, it's, I, I think I spent, somebody did some math. I, I've spent like... 24 hours a day, three and a half years of my life has been up in the air on a plane. You got to go sometime. It would not be, It would. you got to go somewhere. Right. So it would not shock me if I was one of those guys that passed on a flight because it happens. Yeah. I just want to make sure I get the miles for the whole trip, though. I mean, just to be fair. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Of course. But, so, so when he died, what did they do? I know I did. I cried like a baby because the, the one... There was one that my brother was trying to save his life. My brother's a paramedic, and and the one, I mean, I usually know most of the crew. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I shouldn't be laughing about this, but uh, they said, "Is there a doctor, doctor on the plane? You know, mm-hmm. Please ring your call button." And I screwed with them. I ran the call button, and and, and the flight attendant comes so by. Unserious. So flight flight attendant comes by, and you're a doctor, and she knew who I was. I said, "No, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night." Mm-hmm. So, okay, too soon. All right, so uh, that's hilarious. Uh, that, but it wasn't. But here's this thing. Here, um, sadly, it happens. There was a flight to Australia. So many of my stories are back and forth to Australia, for obvious reasons. But uh, I'm on a flight to Australia, and this is back before they had the player seating. That it was 47, so mm-hmm. seats were like what they call three quarter seats. I mean, the footrest goes up; it reclines a lot more than any other seat. And and when you're in the first class lounge, this was in L.A. And you get to know the, I'm a talker, so I go around and, mm-hmm. you know, literally get to know everybody and, and say, hey, is this your first time in Australia? What are you doing there? So I meet this couple and uh, they were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. So I'm just setting mm-hmm. the table where how sad this is. The kids all chipped in. Their kids all chipped in for the trip of a lifetime for them. And I was so ex- The whole room was excited for these guys. Happy anniversary. You must have the greatest kids in the world. And yes, they bragged on their kids like mm-hmm. they would normally do. And, and they're all excited, nicest people, right? And uh, so about an hour and a half out of landing, they're starting to serve breakfast. And he's sleeping. Well, sleeping, right? And he's want to wake him up for breakfast. And she says, no, let him sleep, right? Mm-hmm. He was gone by then, probably, right? Because yeah. they didn't about even try to wake him up. How old was he? Would you uh, guess? God, I'd say early 50s. Early 50s, okay. So both in good shape, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so obviously it's time to land. This is we're going to have to wake him up and get his seat up. She's trying to wake him up, and you can only imagine what happens from there, you know. She's in hysterics. Everybody's freaking out. It just, it wasn't a dry tear in the whole first class. And it was, it was because everybody knew and just, 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 Wow. You know, um, did you ever find out how, why he died? Was it a heart attack? I'm thinking heart attack or could have been an aneurysm. I don't know. I never followed through as 
mm-hmm. just whacked over the head by things like, but at the same time, things like that happen. You know, just, I was on a cruise ship. It happened on a cruise ship. It just, oh, when, wow. when you travel a lot, I was, in high school, I went to this, and this is so ironic, because I remember the guest speaker, now this 1970, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I was in a thing called DACA. I don't want to get into that. Anybody that's been through Distributive Education Clubs of American High School, they know. But it was a state convention. And at that convention, the there was a band playing. Charmer had a heart attack, died in the lobby. They brought, this is going to freak you out. They brought another drummer in. He had a heart attack. Stop. And died. My God. And and everybody's looking around at each other, and I'm thinking, I don't play drums. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't. And it's a true story, including how much of a smartass I was at the end. Yeah. Okay. But the guest speaker, the guest speaker, 1970 or 71, I forget what the year was, mm-hmm. right? His name was Frank Abdegail. Oh, my God. The Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Holy yes. shit. <laughs> now, I'm in high school, and he's telling every story about what happened. Uh, every story I recognized from the movie because he told those stories. He even, a bunch of high school kids, he's telling the hooker story about oh how God. how he ended up getting paid 400 bucks to, to work a prostitute for a night. And I was a high school senior going, wow, my new hero, you know, but, you know, he was, he was the speaker. And he, at the end, he goes, he says, watch your movie theater. Uh, we're negotiating rights to the movie and the movie will be out soon. Oh my God. I, in 45 years, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I was. So he was already working for the FBI at this point, yes, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, had his own, he had his own, he was talking about what happened after. Yeah. Actually, he had moved on from the FBI at that point and had his own consulting company mm. and, and was very, very successful doing that. But right. wow, and it's a good thing he doesn't play drums. You know? No. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not. God, what a weird week. What a weird night that was. That yeah. is so crazy. Yeah. But I mean, that was before I bought the pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the pass. Yeah. I wonder, did you ever, well, I don't know, with your uh, with your age, did you fly Pan Am? Did you ever, were uh, you ever on a Pan Am flight? I'm trying to remember. I don't think I was on a Pan Am because that was that was the route that United buy to get to Australia. Okay. My early days with Australia was Continental flew. Oh, Continental? Yeah, Continental right. flew to Australia. But not nonstop. They would stop in Hawaii. Mm. So the early years of my company, when I was doing Australia, okay, all right, I'm born in 53, and Mm -hmm. it was 83, we were going to Australia. I'm Mm -hmm. like 30 years old, and I got a bunch of my guys, and we're all young, with the exception of me. They were all studs, right? And uh, so we would go there, and we would stop in Hawaii for two days on the way out and two days on the way back. Oh, nice. And that was fun. Those were good old days. In fact, we had so much fun the early days going to Australia. And now, here's something a lot of people don't know, and it, it, it can't and won't ever happen again. First of all, the flights were, most of the flights were half empty back then. And so, and I didn't have any money. I was just building my company. We barely could make rent for the first couple of years. So what happened was we're going to Australia. We all had coach tickets. And because the flights were half empty and there was no beds or anything, but mm-hmm. one of us would take the row in the middle Mm-hmm. Uh, and a little lumpy for me because they were still uneven seats, even though if you put the armrests up. I slept on the floor. Oh, my God. And, and back in the 80s, they let you sleep on the floor. And if there was tur- turbulence, they oh, just let them sleep, you know. Oh, my God. And, 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 you know, that would never, ever, ever happen 
Yeah. They would never let anybody sleep on the floor. On the oh, my God. I can't even put my purse on the floor you anymore. Know, well, yeah. <laughs> well, when you're in your 20s, you're not worried about hygiene. You just want to get some sleep. <laughs> right. Oh, my. It's true. Back in the day, because even my grandmother, she was born in 1922. She would tell me, like, oh, it was you put on your best outfit. Oh, yes. Uh, that is true. You went that for is, the meal. Yeah. <laughs> for the Today, experience. Yeah. People in first class still got their pants down to their you know, whatever. <laughs> just the stuff you see, yeah. and, and actually, people were were wearing profanity under clothes. I mean, okay, I'm not an angel. I, I got a garbage mouth once in a while, right? But I think it's so so wrong mm-hmm. to publicly wear profanity in a public place with kids and stuff like that. Yeah, that's good. So, point. like I said, not not not. Wearing a halo over my head. Right. And I, I slipped and said, you know, some words that I rather didn't. But mm-hmm. to, but to publicly wear stuff like that, you know, just come on. Really? Yeah. It's just. How do you feel when they talk about these like childless flights or flights that are standing? Like, would you ever take something like that? I would have taken it the other day I, <laughs> uh, on the way to Paris. Yeah. Six and a half hours with four and a half hours of cry, 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 cry. No. I'm not a hater because I was a parent. I had kids that were yeah. that age. And they can't help kids. it. It could have a terrible earache. There could be mm-hmm. a couple different things. But let me throw a tip out there besides giving your kid drugs, right? What worked for me doesn't mean it's it works for everybody. Mm-hmm. But when my kids were really antsy-pantsy, and I don't think it was an earache. It was just they're just irritable, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But when they were crying, my first thought was, Let's get them away from here to let these people have some kind of sanity for a moment or two. Right. I would bring my kid to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Not the sex part, right? This is weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no. We're talking about it's so small that yeah. they barely move around. But it's it's large enough to have an adult hold their little kid yeah, sure. on the sink, mm-hmm. looking at themselves in a mirror and having some fun, maybe dancing around and having some fun, yeah. singing a song. Let the kids see themselves cry. It's kind of a distraction to them. Sure. And it, it, it worked. Mm-hmm. Not always, but enough to keep the sanity of the people around me. Yeah. Now, childless flights, I don't know. Somewhere there's a lawyer saying, I can't wait till my client, you know, gets refused off a plane because of the kid, you know, because the kid doesn't come on the flight crying. Mm-hmm. It usually starts yeah. on takeoff and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, I, I, there's talk about it. Yeah, I, definitely. I, I, think, I don't think it was United. United wouldn't start something. Uh, no, I, I, I think it, was, it actually was a European airline. Yeah, okay. I thought yeah, so, yeah. and uh, the other one they were trying to do, this is Ryanair in, out of Ireland. And let me tell you something, Ryanair is crazy. And they sell lotto tickets. It's the strangest airline I've ever been on. But they're talking about doing standing flights, but the FAA keeps saying no. Standing flights. Standing flights. So like you're in a subway, you're holding onto a bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Would you, no. Would I buy a pass to get that? In? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all the standing I could do for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's not happening. I could see some people paying extra money mm-hmm. to be on a childless flight. Yeah. Um, now, in fairness to the families that have children, as long as there's ample flights available for families... Sure. I I don't think it's a bad thing. If it was like they fly Chicago to Newark 10 times a day and there's only two flights, you could have kids. I think that would never fly, no pun intended. Yeah. 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 So out of 
all the countries you've been to, which ones surprised you the most? You're you were just like, oh damn, I didn't realize. Oh, I I'll tell this. you which one surprised me. Okay. When I when I tour around and I go on when I go on these tours and stuff, I'll get the guide off to the side and I'll say, tell me something embarrassing about your country. I said, <laughs> I promise I won't tell anybody. Wait, wait. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm in uh, Croatia. I'm mm-hmm. in Dubrovnik, right? On a tour. Now uh, you're not going to believe this, right? So apparently, it's a, a strong. A very Catholic area, very yes. very lot, religious area, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of churches there. Yep. And uh, welcome to Europe. And there's a strong Spanish influence there for some reason. I don't know the whole thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And they're in love with these Spanish soap operas. So you're combining these Spanish people that are in, without a lot of entertainment choices, right? Mm-hmm. That are madly infatuated with their soap operas and they're religious people. <laughs> So wait to see where this story is going. Honestly, that sounds like Miami. Yeah. Okay. Well, what happens is if one of the soap opera characters dies mm-hmm. or is in the hospital, uh, they go to the church and light a candle for that person. Stop. Uh, you, you said what was one of the most surprising things? That probably is up there, right? That's so funny. So yeah. they're that in tune with it that... Like, almost like they feel like the people are real? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I ridiculous. Mean, I'm surprised they don't, they, they don't have a wake or something. I, I don't know. But, um, geez, yeah, but that's, I go, are you serious? And she giggles, laughs. She goes, that's a little embarrassing. I go, ah, I'm thinking. I, I, but I, 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 there's some political jokes I should follow through with our country, but I'll leave that alone. Right? Oh, I have plenty for Florida. Born yeah. and raised Floridian, proud, but I will yeah. make fun of Florida for but, sure. Uh, that might be up there, but... Uh, um, I'll tell you Florida's most embarrassing thing. The person who made the local logo, that is the ugliest damn thing I've ever seen. They literally flipped the state of Florida so it looks like an L, and then they write local. I'm uh, like, whoever designed this, I'm sorry. You, this is terrible. You just made <laughs> you just made a lot of Catholics in Dubrovnik that much relaxed now. <laughs> Right. So, That's so funny. I, I try to think about surprising things. There's surprising things everywhere. I guess um, when I went to the Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. I learned some interesting things. Now, I know I'm going to say the story wrong, but it's pretty close to this. The Shah or the whatever, the person in charge when they built that Taj Mahal mm-hmm. was originally going to build one across, a, a, a black one across the street, right? Oh, okay. Uh, to, match it i think that was for the wife or something like this mm-hmm. it's basically a mausoleum right yeah so they're gonna bury the wife or whatever across the street but what happened was the person that was the architect or engineer behind the whole first one was summoned to the palace now again there's some indian people that are going to listen to this and say well that's not the exact story but it's pretty close right right i'm just trying to remember as much as i can <laughs> He's paraphrasing. Relax, I'm paraphrasing. Everyone. I want to tell you, it's pretty damn close to what I'm saying right now, right? But what happened was, because there's a couple different versions of the story, and I asked some Indian people I run into. So so what happened is they they bring this guy to, summon him to the, um, it was such a masterpiece. It was so adored by so many people. Mm-hmm. They summoned this guy to the palace. And then they they said to the, so what happened was, I, this guy's probably coming there saying, hey, Christmas bonus, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. They cut his hands off. And took his eyes out so he couldn't possibly duplicate such a wonder of the world. Oh, my God. I'm thinking, Christmas bonus, not. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, I heard stories that several thousand workers got their, 
you know, whatchamacallit, their, their hands removed. Yeah. And I'm thinking from the Shaw standpoint, well, you won't get it duplicated, but you're a you're a workman cop insurance just went up. <laughs> I don't think that existed then. <laughs> For sure. I, 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 there's so many amazing, yeah. probably some of the greatest stories were the, from, from the people I met in these different countries. Absolutely. And some of the different customs they have and stuff like that. I remember the first time I was in Sorrento, Italy. I don't know. We got to the city late and, and we were hungry. And my wife says, I don't know if there's anything still open. Mm-hmm. So we get to a restaurant. It's 9 o'clock. We go, are you still open? They go, no, we're just opening up now. Mm-hmm. And because they celebrate dinner from about 9.30 to whenever. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, man, I don't know if we could grab something because everything's probably closed by now. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing about Europe that kind of gets me. Now, one thing about um, one thing about Mexico is I was just in Mexico a couple weeks ago. I swear I got over, I count them. Over two hundred mosquito bites. Oh, no! No, my my wife, her brother, and and his wife collectively got about twenty. And I'm thinking, now I've I'm I'm starting to research this stuff because mm-hmm. I, I like Mexico. I yeah. love Cancun. My favorite resort in all of North America mm-hmm. is Nizuc. N I Z U C. Look mm-hmm. it up. Go online. Go there. Mention my no, name. No. It is the best resort in North America. Right. So, um, but I'm thinking. Why me? First of all, I think blood type, type O, mm-hmm. O positive, O negative. And mosquitoes just love that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think I must have that blood type, can, you know, and you, you probably combined the Bacardis. And, and then sweet somebody bite, some of them, one of them bit me and then went back to the tribe and said, there's an open bar in Villa number 16. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Oh, man, two bites and you're gone for the night. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, like, well, you're from New Jersey, right? Uh, no, originally Chicago. Chicago, okay. Still Cubs, Bears, Sox, Bulls. Well, still, being in the those areas, you know, like, when the apples ferment and fall from the tree? Yeah. Like the birds will go there and and drink off the apples and kind of get drunk. No kidding. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and they, cheap dates, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they like they actually enjoy doing it. So honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. there was some weird correlation of that. Holy Moses! So if you're a bird and looking for a cheap pickup, you go to an apple <laughs> orchard, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So give us three tips for flying. They don't have your pass, but what's the best thing to do if you're just a typical economy type of person? Okay. Common question. I know my number one answer is kind of multi-leveled. So um, best advice I give to people. A lot of people will use that question and add to it by saying, in light of all the delays and cancellations Mm -hmm. that are out there, especially dealing with that, what's the best advice you give to a traveler? And without the delays or without the cancellations, but especially Mm-hmm. Because the cancellation delays, this is the best advice I can give anybody. Okay. Get your ass out of bed first thing early morning and get that first flight that leaves. That, that's, I actually love the early morning flights. That, well, the, the, first of all, that's the best advice mm-hmm. because the plane's already there. They came in last night. Yeah, right? good point. So the planes are there, so you don't worry. Well, when's the plane come here? The plane's there. Second, most of the most of these flights are not all international flights. Most of these flights have six or seven legs possibly during that day mm-hmm. or four or five, and they have to get out on time. Otherwise, there's a large domino effect. Yep. Right? Second, the price is lower when you're on that first flight in the morning. That's true. So you could save money. I don't know anybody that says, which one can I spend the most money on? No, it's the first flight in the morning is the one that saves you money. 
So dependable. It's going to get out there. Two, less expensive. Three, less crowded flight because it's the first one in the morning. So if you like a little more elbow room, if you want that middle seat open, you're more likely to do it then. Next, if you want an upgrade to first class, your best shot is at first flight in the morning because there's going to be empty seats. So if you're the 1K on United, it always gets bumped by a global, take that first flight in the morning. Now, with all that being said, understand that most of the delays and cancellations, like we're in Florida right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to rain today. It's yep. going to rain tomorrow. It's going to rain the next day. In the hot summer times, right, when it rains, it literally, it could be an hour or two, but it disrupts things. And if there's lightning, and there's a lot of lightning down here, you got delays. And those are delays that I could be in Newark and the weather's fine, but if the plane's coming out of Fort Lauderdale or Miami or something like that, then there's a possibility of the, the domino effect. So And the weather's better here in the morning. Yes. Summertime, yeah. Well, typically, the weather's better everywhere. Your, yep. your, 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 your accumulation comes down usually in the evenings and uh, evenings, right. afternoons and evenings, especially during the summertime. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason. Uh, my next tip, and, and especially for people that are low tech like me, right, mm-hmm. whose eight-year-old granddaughter knows more about the phone than I do, right, get the airline that you frequent more than ever. Get the app. As a matter of fact, any hotel that you frequent. Mm-hmm. But airlines more than anything. Get their app and and understand it. So mm-hmm. that means for someone like me, I got to get my son to show me how everything works. Yeah. Like, let me give you an example. All right? If you have an app, you don't sit there. If they come on the flight and says, I'm sorry, folks, we're going to have to cancel this flight. Now, you're in row 36. Mm-hmm. There's over 200 people sitting in front of you going to get off the plane before you do. Yep. And typically, you're off the plane, and the line is from here to Wendy's, right? And all waiting to talk to an agent. And you're getting off the plane, you're going, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You're just stupid because you didn't get the app and understand that while all these people are standing in line, you're, you're, you don't even have to call an agent because yeah. the line's busy right now. Everybody's trying to call them. Right. You go on your app, and you rebook your flight. Yeah. You're sitting in row 36. Everybody goes, let's, let's try to squeeze up and, and move that guy out of row 31 and pass him so we can be three people more in line. You're in 36. Relaxing, finishing your diet coke, and you rebook yourself. Right? Yeah, they give you the options right there. Yes, and then yep. luggage. There's an on your app. It tells you where your luggage is at this very second. Yep. So yes, if you're worried about do my do my bags get on, do my get bags get on, when you're sitting down before you even take take off, it tells you where yeah. your bags are at this very second. Right. So there's so many great things about your app. Learn the app. Right. Next, not. I mean, these aren't, I'm sure there's a million others. And I'm telling people, follow the points guy out there. Follow a flyer talk. There's communities out there where you can even ask a question mm-hmm. about anything in travel, whether it's hotels, rental cars, whatever. And you have a community of people that know this stuff inside and out and could tell you how to game the system even. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, if you travel a lot, or even if you don't, I mean, I tell my friends, their kids are having a honeymoon. I said, get an airline credit card, get a hotel credit card. Mm-hmm. Half your ho- honeymoon's already paid for. Right? Yeah. With two or three free nights, you got free hotels, depending on where you're flying, how many miles you need. You save a ton of money, especially. And honeymooners could always use some extra credit cards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
don't abuse the credit privilege. Pay them off so you don't pay that 28% juice every month. But right. don't worry about the juice if you pay your credit card and live responsibly with your credit, right? Right. But there's a lot of benefits to those. And actually, the first year is free on most all these cards. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the year, if you're not going to travel a lot, you're not going to use the card, or just don't find any favor with it, cancel it and get the one for Hilton next year. Right, right. You know, there's people out there that game credit cards, literally game the system tremendously. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. I don't need 36 credit cards because there's 36 credit cards that people could steal and rip off and cause mm -hmm. me damage. So. Right. I like I like to keep my life simple, but those are those are three tips, and there's there's a ton of tips. Yes. I mean, I fly business class, so mm -hmm. I I don't literally have to worry about gaming the system. I do know this, I because a lot of my friends don't always order kids, and they're always asking me advice. And so I say, here's another thing: when you book your flights and seats that you would prefer aren't available, mm -hmm. don't give up because things happen between now and when you're flying. Now my wife is great at this. Mm -hmm. Because I fly so much, but she's got only a handful of flights coming up with her and I. Mm -hmm. But she'll always check the app every blue, every couple of days sometimes to see if there's better seats available. And then she moves us into those seats. So, I mean, yeah. so pay attention to that. Here's another thing. If, if my niece and nephew, they just went on a trip. Or my niece and her husband, I'm sorry. I said, when you book a flight, I know you want to be lovey-dovey and sit next to each other. But don't take the window middle or the middle and the, and, and, and the aisle. Always book middle and aisle because the last seat that anybody ever takes or books is the middle seat. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's two seats together, 10 rows behind you, they'll go 10 rows behind you and pass on that middle seat. Yeah. Because now what's the worst case scenario? The guy in the middle goes, no, I'd rather sit in the middle, right? Yeah. That's not going <laughs> to happen, right? So right. at worst case scenario, someone will switch with you so you can sit next to your significant other, husband, wife, whatever. Mm -hmm. And also understand your best shot for an empty seat between you of all the seats are going to be in the back. A back middle seat is the very, very, very last seat that's filled. Yeah. So it might be too close to that bathroom. You might want to use that protective mask anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially after that last flight that just yeah. happened. <laughs> but but do, do, do your homework and... And yep. don't be afraid to send notes or an email to the hotel in advance asking for any, you know, it's my birthday, it's my anniversary, anything, any considerations would be appreciated, et cetera. Yep. Just common sense, you know. But uh, Yeah, definitely. But technology and the app. God, I'm still figuring out stuff on that app. There's so many things. So with, with your global services, do you, are you allowed to get off the plane first when you land? Well, I do because I'm in row one. I mean, I... Right, I, so I live in row one. But do you ever not get row one? Oh, yeah. Well, even if you get row one, there's a lot of, especially, uh, there's a lot of flights, especially mm -hmm. large body flights, that you might enter from the first door where row one is, but right. you might deplane from the back of first class. That's true. So that puts me in the back of the bus a little bit, but you know what? But they don't come and get you? Oh, God, no. no okay, no. 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 That's and just to get on. That's a little too much. Yeah, no. I know, but to get on, I'm, I'm the first one. Well, not the first one. It's for United. It's uh, people that need mm -hmm. extra time. Uh, you don't, you don't say handicap or whatever. Just yeah. people that need a little extra time to get down there. I mean, somebody might have a bad knee or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So, but that's abused so much. So yeah. Don't even bring that up to me, right? The people getting on just to get on. And yeah. Then, and all of a sudden, I've had people like walk real slow because they need extra assistance. But I flew a week later coming from Greece back to Newark, they said some people have a, a tight connection. And that woman that was limping down on, on the way to the to Athens, 
she was literally Olympic sprinter coming down that aisle to get her Holding connected the, flight. The and, I, and I'm going, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. You That's amazing, people. Yeah. That's true, because when you mark that it's handicapped, you don't, they don't technically have to show any papers or anything. No, no. and you know what? Mm. There's not an airline that'll touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, understood. Yeah, yeah, there's but... no way you can, you're just going to say, hey, some people are gamers and some people wow. aren't. It is. But there's so many I people. I would have never thought to do such a thing. It, but it, it happens. I, wow. I, I told you earlier uh, mm-hmm. about the Southwest thing. Yes. Where, where 55 people were uh, needed assistance because it's first come, first serve on the flights. Right. And they said when the flight landed, they didn't have 55 wheelchair people anymore. It only was 11. So they must have this hospital or the spa, whatever, that cures people up in the air. <laughs> up in the know? air. You know, it's yeah. the light atmosphere, everything. Yeah. Do you think it's important to be monogamous with your airline? And hotel. And, and hotel. Car, okay. And rent a car. Yeah. Everything because it's all about status these days. And the, yeah. the more you fly with them, the more hotels you stay at. And today's hotel chains, geez, they got like a, a you know, with Hilton, it's not mm-hmm. Hilton. It's they got like 75 different brands of Hilton and Holiday right. Inn and Marriott and stuff like that. So when I first started traveling, there was only Hilton only had, God, 200 something hotels worldwide. They, they didn't have embassy suites. They didn't have Hampton Inn. They didn't right. have any of those things. Now they own like, I don't know how many brands and how many zillion hotels, but right. it's good. Stick with one brand because hotels recognize the loyalty and they used to treat loyalty a lot better than they do now. I can yeah. tell you that's a fact, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you have a problem, I'd rather approach a general manager by saying, I'm loyal to your brand. I stay there because of certain expectations. And that's why I worked here. Yeah. Those expectations haven't been met. You know, um, and I don't want to write a letter to the, to the, to the, your headquarters and stuff. Right. Isn't there a way we could work this out somehow, you know? Yeah. You know, um, cause people make mistakes or sometimes things just don't go smooth. I understand that, but mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't ask for more than I deserve, but I do want my expectations met for what I paid for. Sure. The room, right? Yeah, definitely. So uh, no, yes. Stay with the brand, use the credit card, st- Build your status because mm-hmm. status means more points, more miles, whatever. Mm-hmm. A better chance for upgrades, better chance for you know, promotions. I just yeah, there, there, there's definitely, definitely a benefit mm-hmm. by um, by staying loyal. But if the difference between a Hilton and Marriott is fifty dollars for the same bed, you know, basically someplace to rest my head, right? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be considering money more than points and miles, right? So when when you got this passed in 1990, they didn't really have these mileage programs where you could like redeem points for gift cards and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, mileage plus, which I'm, I'm I'm really proud to say is mm-hmm. voted over and over and over consistently year in and year out to be the best uh, rewards program for the airlines. There's just so many things like I earned 100 million miles, so yeah. it, it wasn't just the Sam's gift cards. It was gift cards to 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 Nordstrom's. It was gift cards to to Target and Amazon and and uh, so your Christmas presents are paid for every year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> beautiful seven thousand uh, dollar sleep by number type of bed or whatever it is that I have in my room is oh from my God. is from gift cards from Sears. You know, so uh, luxury hotels. I've been on 
I've been on a dozen luxury cruises because of miles, you know. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I just over and over, just so many things. And they have a thing called Mileage Plus Exclusives, which is really, really great. And it's it's, it's a, a suite at a, a football game or box seats at a baseball mm-hmm. game. Uh, it, it, it's it's experience, life experiences at the Jerry Seinfeld show, you know. Right, right. So there's just... So my, I always check and look at those every every week or two to see what's up because a lot of them are so good of a bargain that they're, they sell out immediately, really quick. Yeah, so. yeah. And they do a lot of things just for promotion, you know, just just for like a reasonable price. Thank you to to its members and everything. Yeah. So, but it's it's the the best way to spend your miles always always on every airline will be flying always. Yeah, gotcha. So, so just final question, because we're going to wrap up here soon. Yeah. What did your family think when you got this pass? Because you're one of seven, correct? Yeah. Um, Where in line are you in the siblings? I'm number two. You're number, number two. two. Okay. I think, well, I think some of them thought I was crazy, you know. <laughs> um, it not, they never really made a big deal out of it until I started flying. And they go, oh, by the way, I could use some upgrades. But uh, um, you'd be surprised how many friends you get when you get upgrades. But, right. Uh, actually, I wasn't, I can't say I was really, really close. I was always close to, I mean, I, I love my, my brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. um, I had one pass away recently. But uh, Sorry to uh, yeah, she fought um, ovarian cancer so bravely for four, four years. She was like stage four. Mm-hmm. How she survived, I don't know, but God bless her. And we became really, really good friends towards the end, which is mm-hmm. good. But I was really never really close. I was Literally, I was an entrepreneur since I was a kid. I mean, right. I mean, my first Kool-Aid stand or, or some of the ways I was making money as a kid, you know, just I was always like, I told you the story that I told my dad when I want to grow up, I want to be a millionaire. And, you know, and uh, there wasn't that many. My youngest sister, the youngest of all the seven, was probably the most, one of the most successful. Well, without exception of me, mm-hmm. she's very, very successful. She, she built a business as a single mom. Pregnant a little earlier than most people do, mm-hmm. but she just was still this unbelievable mom, and who raised an unbelievable daughter, built and sold a company for millions of dollars, and just did just just so well. But she worked her butt off, and I I, I tell people it's funny I do management workshops, and one of the things I tackle is how to surround yourself with the right people. And I said, the two things you look for in employees more than anything else is number one. And I asked him, I said, tell me what you think. And the whole room never gets my answers. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised I can't be the wrong one here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll say, oh, uh, you know, the passion for whatever. And I'm not going to fight any of the answers because they're all decent answers. Mm-hmm. I said, here's the two things I look for in employees still today more than ever before. So what would you think? Oh, I'll throw it to you. What would you mm-hmm. think is the number one thing that, that people should look for today more than ever before. Uh, for me, would be willingness to learn. Okay, Th- that's that's number two for me. Okay, I call that manageability. Yeah, manageability, coachability, stuff yep, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. I just like keep an open mind, willingness to learn, and you, you don't want a person that goes. You know what the problem with this place is? No, yeah, you're the problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And probably someone who's. Uh, it still goes into willingness to learn. Like, I don't like complacent people. So I know they're about the same, but those are the two things popping in my mind. Okay, so when I give it to you, you're mm-hmm. going to say, well, of course, right? Okay. So let me give you the hint because that'll get you to guess it right away. Okay. It's uh, your parents had, their parents had, and their parents had. It gets worse every generation. 
Consistency. Work ethic. Yeah, consistency. Right? Mm-hmm. I could teach, I was in the car business, I could teach a monkey to sell 20 cars a month. Yeah. I want someone that wants to come to work to work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, no matter what, whether it's sales or, exactly. or whether you're stocking the shelves at the grocery store, I want a hard worker because hard workers, and those are the ones that will listen too because they're, they're sponges. What can I do to improve myself? How can I get up the food chain? Right. How can I get up the ladder a little bit? You know, mm-hmm. how do I earn a better spot? Yeah. They're not looking for things to be given to them. They're not like the guy from vacation. I still believe, I, I think that's today's generation is the is is the guy from uh, Christmas vacation. You know, yeah. what was that? What was Eddie? Eddie. Yeah. Has Eddie found a good job? Now, nah, Clark, he's holding off for a management position. You know, I'm going, <laughs> that's our country today. Right. I'm holding off for a management position. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like, the consistency to keep your work ethic up and then the consistency in your mindset to be adaptable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, those would be the two things for sure. So I think it's amazing. Thank you so much for coming by. I love your story. And do you think, what's your next milestone? What do you think you're going to get to? Okay. Or what's your absolute goal? Stay above ground. <laughs> uh, uh, not necessarily at 35,000. Right. Six feet up six would feet be, that'd up, be good. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm going to hit, should, with all things being considered, I should hit 24 million in December. And I already have the date that I'm going to aim for 25 million. And it actually was given to me by Jason, by the way, was it Jason or somebody else? I don't know. That is February 5th of 25. So two, five of two, five is when I want to hit my two, five. That would be amazing. And it's, it's either going to be a it's either going to be San Fran to Newark or Newark to San Fran. Yes. Because two two hubs that are, it's sad because I would always pick Chicago first, but I need a longer flight so we could take more time to celebrate. I'm going to text you that day. I'll be like, yeah, did I'll, you well, make it? Or be on the plane because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to talk to United. We, I want to get a, a wide body and make sure it's a triple seven. I want to make sure, because there's a lot of people that just want to be on the flight for some sure. god awful reason. But would the, you be flying the plane that they named you after? No, that plane is gone oh okay uh, and, uh, they might have repainted it or something like that because mm. uh they they named two planes it's funny people say well they should name a plane after you they named two the first triple seven they came out and the last 47 that they painted okay uh, had my name actually it was at my 10 million mile party they rolled the plane right up to the window which was really cool that and, is cool and it's funny i talk about the 10 million mile party and uh, they spent a quarter of a million dollars on that party i'm looking back it was because it was right after the merger like a month after the merger and mm-hmm. and so it was pr and everything like that but it was still a party of all parties somebody said well did they did did they get you a plane or did they what no no did they buy did they give you a car i go it's an airline right you don't you don't give something a car right you know like it's so yeah. true that's so dumb yeah i know <laughs> I didn't want to uh, ask that. Uh, okay you know and uh so oh, the game but, but I, yeah. I, I got to throw out the first pitch in a Cubs game, which is oh, a lifelong awesome. dream for any Cubs fan. Yeah, no I, I've, I've got some. Uh, they flew in food of all the lounges around the world, and they found out what my favorite food is around the world, and they flew all that stuff in. Oh my god! Um, they 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 literally had um, what was what's the name of the, the wine? Gosh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, and United put this together themselves. Oh my god! Yeah, um, there was. There had to be forty thousand dollars just in signage around oh around a thing like oh he's flown this many times in the moon and all that. I'm just all these crazy things. But 
And the thing that's amazing. Actually, some of the stuff's on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and see some of the. Someone filmed a bunch of the party and put it on mm -hmm. on YouTube. Not me. I just didn't know how to use a camera. But the um, I remember when um, the CEO of uh, Smysek was up there from Continental, uh, who went on to run the first CEO when they merged, and um, he says, "Come on up." Now, I'm not an anti anything. I mean. Uh, once we merged with Continental, I was looking forward to have one big happy family. Right. A lot of people that work for one or the other airlines was not happy against right. the other people. But hopefully, we're one big happy family now, and I think we are. But uh, so Smiley says, "Come on up to say a couple words." And I got up there, and uh, this shows you how much I love my United, right? Because I'm a legacy United, right? And I got up there and I said, "Today's not a celebration because they just went through bankruptcy." And if you go through bankruptcy and you spend 30, 40 years of your life building your pension up and you lost that. Now, the government protects your pensions 25 mm -hmm. cents on the dollar. But if you had $200,000 saved up yeah, and it's worth 50 now, it's, uh, you know how long it takes to replace that. So, yeah. so yeah. I said today's not a celebration of my 10 million miles. Today's a celebration of the thousands of United employees that went through bankruptcy mm -hmm. and lost their pension, took a cut in pay reduce benefits, and come to work every day with a smile on their face. I said, that's why I love my United Airlines, you know? Yeah. Because those are the people that, in spite of all that, moved forward, not the happiest day of their life, right. still some bitter, tough days to bite sometimes, and it would be for me, but the fact that these people come to work with the intention of keeping their customers happy every day, that's why I love my United Airlines. You yeah. Know? I mean, you're the perfect person to have the pass. Because not only, obviously, you use the hell out of it, but yeah. you give back to United and you're literally free PR for them because you love them so much. Yeah. It's not because, you know, they pay you or anything. Just you love them and you interact with them. And that's amazing. I love your story. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on, Tom. Oh. And can't wait to see you at 25 million miles. Yep. That's just uh, maybe, a, <laughs> maybe a little less garlic bread, a couple less Bacardi's, and maybe I can stay a little healthier. So right. you're going to make it. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming by. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks.